the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting every week about the reality of anything and everything property. And for this week's dose of reality, Stuart, before we started recording, you, you were just saying how important it is to base every property decision you make on the number of properties you own and the number of rooms you're in control of. Uh, I've got that right, yes? Only insofar as you know that it's like hitting me with a stick. <laughs> that, yeah, that it's one of these things, it's become an annoyance because we, we all, we've all done it at some stage and I'm sure we've all been at events or you know meetings with friends and family where someone says you know what do you do and you say well I do I do property investment property development and the first question back is oh how many properties do you own and I also was listening to some other podcasts this week and and someone said oh I I own this many properties and at the start I own this many and it's now become a little one of those things that that does irk me slightly probably not you know as much as some other things, as, as banks, for example. But it does irk me because it doesn't really tell us anything about the portfolio. So being the annoying person that I am, when, when someone says, oh, how many properties do you own now? I just, I, I don't answer the question directly. I just say, well, the, you know, the, the company owns a handful of properties because equally, people associate number of properties with with wealth and that if someone owns 20 properties or 30 properties like poor ben for example then then we can assume that they're doing okay but the number of properties doesn't tell us a lot because for example you know as we were chatting before i might own one property and you might own 10 properties and the immediate assumption is well clearly you're doing better because you own 10 but my property might be in west london and be valued at one and a half to two million, your 10 properties might be in the northeast or further up and be valued at 50,000 each. That's just one, you know, one basic criteria. The other is loan to values. I might have 10 properties with 85% loan to value. You might have five with 50%. So I think it's one of the things where maybe if I can, can can get the gumption to start a crusade to start talking about the number in the properties rather than the number of the properties. Yeah, I mean, just, just to un- underline the potential differences even more, my property portfolio is currently four properties, four houses. So we'll, we'll compare houses and they are all in the southeast. They are sort of a little geographically dispersed, and they do vary in in value actually reasonably widely, even just just in the southeast. But I think an an average price across the the four of them it would be about three hundred thousand per property. Now, if you were to look at a property that's that's up in the north, you might be looking at a house that's worth maybe seventy thousand, maybe eighty thousand. So let, let's say it was 70,000. So if you owned four houses up in the, the far north that were 70,000 pounds each, your total house value would be 280,000. That, that's less than one of the southeast houses that, that are in my, my portfolio. So, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to, to simplify it so much down to 
just the number of, of properties. And you, as you say, you then have loan to values to think about and also yield and return on investment. So per property, I'm probably getting worse yield and worse return on investment than that northern investor on their per property figures. So their, their number of properties might actually suggest that they've, they've got lots more value than they have compared to me. But it, it works the opposite way for, for yield and, and revenue. So it's, it's, it's just very, very meaningless. But I remember in the past, Stuart, you have actually quoted business goals in the number of properties. So why, why did you, in the past at least, choose that metric? Well, I think the targets I set were room-based because my objectives were cash flow. And, and this is another element to, so firstly, just to be kind, I know it's one of these party chats where so, if someone says, you know, it's like a, if, if, you, if you ask someone what they do for a living and they say, oh, I'm an author, the first question most of us would say, oh, have you written anything I'd have heard? And I would imagine that's a really annoying question for people that write because it's like, well, I don't know. What have you read? And so I think it's just, to be kind to people, it's just a question to, to demonstrate interest. So it's probably coming from a good place. But in terms of the objectives, my, and, and this is a part of it because originally we could just say, oh, if I own five properties or if I own 10 properties, I'll have made it in inverted commas or I will have succeeded. But, but that doesn't tell us anything. So, so my objectives were based on cash flows and knowing that I was going to rent in you know, co-living stroke houses of multiple occupation. And at the time where I was investing, I knew that the, that the average room rental would be around £100. So I always set my targets in rooms because I knew what that would give me. Because I do take the number of rooms, I'd also take the occupancy levels. And by the way, it was very basic at the start, but I but I did know where those rooms would potentially net out. It, you know, so I could I could net out of each room, give or take thirty to thirty five percent. So so those approximations in my defence were based on modelling out how many rooms I needed to achieve my net income goal a month. Of course, none of that really happened. It, took a lot longer i i wonder and I, I don't know if this is the case or not but i wonder if you went from your income goals to sort of room goals and particularly when you're discussing it with other people to then quote it in in the number of rooms because it's it's often a bit awkward to talk about money and and if if someone says oh what what, what are your your goals at the moment you don't want to say oh i'm trying to increase my business by £5,000 a, a month or whatever. You can just say, oh, I'm trying to increase my, my business by 10 rooms under management a month. And it's, it's just a bit, bit vaguer and, I don't know, perhaps less, less real and less harsh in the conversation. Do you think that that was part of it or do you think that, that helped at all? Or, or you, you, would you be happy these days when you're trying not to quote rooms so much? Would you quote your, your business goals in, in monetary terms? Yeah, I don't have a problem with quoting the business goals. I think it's, I, I probably just go very granular and share with people that that is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, you know, as I've shared on this podcast, we've we now got 59 rooms under management. And uh, I'm sort of open about the fact that back in 2016, when I started in November, I set the goal of achieving 100 rooms in a year. You know, that was, 
nearly six years ago. But equally, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a, it's around well, okay, what is my financial goal? The reason I probably talk more about rooms than anything else is because it's been so hard for me to predictably understand. You know, okay, so I, although I understand the top line numbers actually it doesn't always wash out because each property has its own different vagaries you know a student property might be slightly different to a working professional property and might generate slightly less or slightly more than another one versus just saying well actually you know what my next target is i want to achieve an additional net five thousand pounds per month let's just say for the sake of argument so yeah it's, it's not always it's not always that straightforward but just coming back to our other part around how many properties do you own so for example you know you own one property a property that that might be worth you know five hundred thousand, and we might both both have one property now i purchased one property at one stage and i could say oh i just own one property but that property had 13 ensuite rooms and i then split the title so that one property became two properties so i can now say well i own two properties it's the same property I had before, but it actually didn't really tell anything. So in that conversation, how how useful is it? Say, well, I own one property or I own two properties, not much, until I said, well, actually, now it's a it's a six and a seven bed and they're all en suite, et cetera. So, yeah, it's just sort of looping back to that initial point. I do wonder if, if there is actually some value when you're talking about your business in terms of rooms. Because it, it doesn't say how wealthy you are. It doesn't say how much money you're making or how good your return on investment is. But if you've got a lot of rooms and a lot of rooms, particularly sort of under management, that you're actively managing, it probably does give some idea of how complex your business is, how much work there is. Because you know each room takes a certain amount of effort to look after it. And each property will take a certain amount of maintenance and safety certificates and inspections and whatever every so often. So I wonder if there is, is some value in that. So it's, it's not very useful for judging the finances per se, but do you think it is useful for, for us and other people we might have casual conversations with for judging sort of the complexity and, and hence the, the difficulties in, in the business? Well, the, uh, the reason I talk about rooms is because that is the business. Ultimately, if I think about our operation, what is the it, the end goal is providing a room to a customer. Obviously, that room has to have a bed. So that is, you know, I, I, and I always think it's the same for McDonald's. You know, how many burgers? You know, how many burgers? What's their output and burgers? You know, we can talk about the fact that they're actually a real estate company or or how many coffees they sell. But ultimately, it's about their output. And that's why I focus on it, because I know if we've got, you know, so, so I, I can do the simple math. So I, I've just said we've got 59 rooms. And I, I've also said, you know, some of this data is a bit old, but I used to approximate in terms of gross, £100 a room. So actually, you know, it doesn't take a genius to work out that, that equates to 5900 a week. And then if I times that by, you know, 4.33, which is the average number of weeks in a month, I know that that sort of gets me to about 20, just over 25,000 a month. So that for me is telling me how we're doing in terms of revenues. And we're happy with that. And, and for me as a business, I, 
does rooms mean much to anyone outside of property? Probably not. I wouldn't have thought so, at least. But for me, that is the nature of the business. So if we want to grow the business, for me, it's about room growth. I could buy a house. That house might have four rooms. It might have seven rooms. So I'm more concerned with the number of rooms because that's going to tell me how much we can generate in terms of revenue. So I'm so I'm personally now more interested in rooms. But that's different for me than it is to you because if you're buying for families, of course, it's interesting to number of rooms because of how big the family and you, you might have different thoughts around typically what sort of families you cater for. You know, do, does it need to be uh, a four bed or can you can you cope with three? I d- you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at bedrooms for for single lets, I mean, it's, it's a I think it's a totally different picture. You you don't really look at them as sort of revenue per room because the the different size properties really change the market that you're in completely so when you're in hmo world and every every let is a an individual room every customer is probably an individual maybe a couple but probably an individual whereas if i have a a single let that's two bedrooms versus three bedrooms versus four bedrooms each of those is a a very different market so the three bedroom which is where i generally sit is sort of a family, a smaller, sort of averagey family size let. If you drop down to two bedrooms, then now suddenly you're you're in a very different market. You're probably not looking at a family, May, maybe just a, a a very young family, very small family, or just or a couple just thinking about starting a family. But you might be looking at an individual down at that level, maybe, or just a couple. And then if you go up to four bedrooms. Again, it's a, it's a different market. You will probably still be looking at families, but you're now looking at larger families and families who can afford quite a, a jump in rent normally from that three bed to the four bed mark. So, so yeah, I, I don't think you can really use bedrooms in single lets at all to to describe the the business or the size of the business because yeah, it's depending on how they're distributed between the individual properties. You're just looking at totally different markets and and different characteristics of those markets so yeah i think that at least is when you're in hmo world i think you've got a lot more consistency in in your meaning of a room and a a, a Mm. tenancy so at least at least you've got that standard definition when you're you're measuring it in in rooms but maybe you're right, and maybe the the, the fact that we that we talk about you know portfolio. So because you go to any property networking meets, and invariably that is the question. And and I often think about how to creatively talk to someone about their portfolio without saying how many properties have you got, because actually it is difficult. So we we started off on a bit of a rant about them, but but it is difficult. So you know how do you start that conversation? And I tend to think, well, you know, we're called the business of property. It's like, well, so how is your property business going? Bit, bit like walking up to someone and saying, how many millions do you have in the bank? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the other thing. I mean, you know, having done research on people, uh, I'm not a stalker, but if, I, if I'm looking at people to work with or if I'm looking at buying a, a house and I just want to understand the owner, I obviously go into company's house because if they've bought in company names and I'll look at that. And, you know, balance sheets tell you a lot about things, you know, um, please don't go and look at mine. <laughs> I'm joking. You can. I'm an open book. 
but it but it tells you a lot and and uh, you know some people may be you know my company's is highly leveraged and other people's aren't but it's like how do you how do you have that that conversation i often say to people you know so how is the business going is it going how you want it to and and someone might say oh well i only own one property and the question then is well what's your goal yeah if if your goal was uh, i wanted to generate 500 pounds a month and have a property that in 25 years i can use for a pension you know supporting pension then i'd say well maybe you've achieved your goal you know i don't know one property might just have done it and that's the thing is we all have different goals and you know what you said i, I quite like because sometimes i think it does detract because ultimately it, when we look at the definition of any business its purpose is to operate profitably and i think certainly in our case i know we want to do you know we want to make things better and we want to help people but ultimately if a business isn't generating money and it can't sustain itself it's not a business and and it can't do all of the good stuff that we want to do and i think sometimes certainly for my own case yeah maybe it is a bit embarrassing but you know i've shared the numbers today just because we're having the chat about it but equally someone might go oh well if your business is generating approximately 25k a month you must be you know rolling up 50 pound notes and lighting them and that's not the case, you know, as you, as you know, because we've had so many costs in the business. We had a lot of investment and, you know, the company hasn't necessarily paid me much for a number of years, actually. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the missing bit of information, it, you've got 25,000 of revenue, but the, but the problem is you've got 24,500 pounds of expenses every month. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's not far off the truth. And also we have... Uh, you know, students. So they don't pay every month. They pay every, well, they, they pay three times a year. So termly. So that, that puts challenges in the business because utilities don't allow me to pay them three times a year. They want to, they want paid month. So it's, you know, it's, it's like any other business. And that's why I like our podcast framing of the business of property, because it's like any other business is that you have to focus on key things and revenue is, as uh, I remember Duncan Bannertime once saying, you know, revenue is uh, vanity and profit is sanity. And that is, that's taken me a few years to get to the stage where we're really trying to focus and hone down on the profit. If I turned this business into a, a business that generated half as much as it does now, but the profit was 50%, I'd be in the same place. So that, that is why, again, number of properties doesn't tell us much. It's really about cash flow profitability that's that's what it comes down to and maybe we've got some podcast topics in there for the future yep so i think perhaps when when we're attending all our future social gatherings and parties we, we should not be quoting number of rooms we should instead be quoting return on investment roi or maybe roce return on capital employed some, something like that to to show how well we're doing rather than using such a, a sort of vague vanity metric as, as number of number of properties or number of rooms. Mm. It's a, a bit harder for people to understand. But then again, you're in a social gathering. You, you've got a while to chat. You can, you can explain these, these terms. <laughs> I'm sure it'll make, uh, make us the most popular people at the parties. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, it's a bit of a vanity metric. And there's probably something in the British psyche that that says you know property equals success and or you know you know property equals wealth and in and in many ways it does 
but it comes with so much other baggage that number of properties doesn't do it justice. As, as I think hopefully we've, we've talked about on this episode, and it'd be great to hear from other people. We've heard from a number of people in the last couple of weeks about some of our topics. So please do keep getting in touch with us. You can get in touch with us via our YouTube channel, leaving comments. Just look up for Business of Property, Twitter, B-I-Z of Property, and of course, the businessofproperty.com. Please do let us know how it goes when you, you attend your next social gathering and start explaining ROI and ROCE. I expect that lots of people will be flocking to hear what you're talking about. Do let us know if that's correct or not. And as Stuart said, show notes can be found at thebusinessofproperty.com. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Yeah.